AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Is he? There's none of them. Is he our social media guy? Yeah. Okay, cool. We roll it. We roll it. What up? What's going on, my man? How you doing, ugly? I, I mean, Gerard. You weren't referencing me, so no, it I must wasn't. have been someone else in one of these it one was. of these shares. It was definitely it, not me. We we we're really good friends, but you know, as guys, we talk about we call each other ugly. So. Oh, for sure. That's just yeah. our, that's our that's our running thing. What's what's been going on? What's, Man, what's on let, your mind today? Let me tell you what happened the <laughs> oh, other boy. day when at the hey, house. Listen, whenever so, whenever someone starts a story, but man, let me tell you what happened. It's gonna be a good one. <laughs> oh, it's hey, it's about <laughs> to be a barn burner. <laughs> Right, so at the and house, you rubbing your hands like Birdman. I know yes. it's about to be a good. So story. I, you know, I'm becoming more and more handy as I've gotten older, um, because of my business venture. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I like doing some stuff around the house, and so with the winter and fall coming, uh, or it's here, you get a lot of leaves now, in in my gutters, mm-hmm. and it was raining. So in the summer, it was raining, and so so many leaves blew in. So I literally had the rain going over, overflowing in my gutter, going into my screened-in porch, okay. but going into where water, it was starting to, like, a lot of water was accumulating. Just sitting there, sitting Just, water. No, no, the water was flowing, flowing into my screened-in porch to, like, in, in there, and then it was starting, and I'm like, what is all this water? So I figured it out. So, I, yes, I got on top of the roof. Okay. And I got the... Try to get the leaves out. No, I got the leaves out. Okay. So I'm like, you know what? I ain't doing this because it's going to get dangerous, right? And it was raining. And um, so I did it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some some gutter guards. So I went through and went on, read some websites, and I think I did Angie's List or something. And the guy comes to the house. Okay. So I made the appointment. Totally spaced it, forgot about the appointment. So I got this... Um, you know, I'm hood, dude. I grew up in L.A. <laughs> so I got this this dude that gets out of a kind of like a a Ford 
uh, Impala or Caprice. Like he gets oh, out of Chevy, a, Chevy Impala. Yeah, he yeah. gets out out of the out box of, guy. He, he put up in a box Chevy. Bro, he came out. Okay. He basically looked like a narc, right? He came out Ooh. looking like a police officer. Oh, in a box Chevy. Bro, I'm just talking about. I'm just giving you context. <laughs> he looked like he was a he was a police officer. I'm like, and so the guy's like, "Hey, yeah." I'm like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so he comes. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah I'm here for the, uh, you know, for your." For your gutters, to I was like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So he says, hey, I'm gonna go behind back, and I got two signs. I got a dog, and it says, beware of dog on another one. Another one says, I can get to the fence in 2.8 seconds. Can you? <laughs> so I got the hose up, and he's like, uh, I see your signs. Uh, dog's up, and so put the dog up, and so he goes over there, and so he does his spiel, and here's where it goes. Wrong. Oh boy. He says, Hey, you only have a few of these. Let me tell you what it is. And here's what we do. And gives a spill on why this company is a very good. We have a lifetime, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I said, All right. So the dude says, All right. I said, Well, all right. Cool. Get to it. Yeah. Cut to it. <laughs> Cut Get to it. <laughs> right. So he, I, he gets to it and he says, um, Well, um, do you have a budget? I'm like, nah, Uh-oh. I don't have a budget because it's just covering. The, it ain't gonna be that much. Yeah. How much you think my man said? Uh, should be a simple job. What three hundred? Three hundred? Four hundred? What kind of house you live in, sucker? He just removing that. <laughs> I don't know. He put guards on the gutters Thousand? on the whole house. Okay, you tell me. So I thought it was probably like thirty four hundred. This. M- you this said he guy. popped out of a box Chevy, so it didn't seem like he's a high-dollar dude. Well, listen, you, you could be a great salesman and just be bad with your finances. Right. right? This dude says $16,700. Not $16,000. Me, 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 me. $16,700. I said, he goes, well, what did you think it was going to be? Uh-huh. I said, not that. <laughs> he says, well, what did you think? He goes, why are you looking at me like mm-hmm. that? I said, well, I'm totally shocked. Right. Then he goes, so then he tries to play the game. And this is where it really went off the rails, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, well, I gave you the discount. <laughs> that was the discount? He said, I gave you the discount and some of this stuff and la, la, la. I was like, all right. <sighs> and then he says, well, I got something. And he goes, let me call my boss. Oh. So he tries the old car salesman move. Uh-huh. Now I'm getting pissed and irritated. Because uh-huh. I'm sure he shot his shot with the Steve oh, Smith he, price. He shot, he shot, let me tell you something. He shot at the wrong dude <laughs> with his shot. So he calls his boss and he puts me on speaker. Mm-hmm. Hey, boss, I got a, I got a customer um, in this neighborhood and... Um, you know, he's a little bit taken back by the price, and it, he goes back <laughs> to this whole thing. And he's like, well, and his boss goes, well, I mean, it sounds like you've done all that you can do. And what do you, uh, what do you think we so should boss is, do? Boss is justifying it. Yeah, and he says, what do you think we should do? He was like, well, you know, is this a neighborhood that we've been in before? No. Well, you think we can, um, you know, put up some signs? You think we'll get some traction if we utilize this? I say, hey, dog. I don't know what y'all do. Cut this shit out, man. Mm-hmm. Stop. And I feel my blood pressure boiling. You're starting to cook. Oh, I'm cooking. Fish grease. But then I realize this dude is on my porch. <laughs> the, the realization started setting in. I'm like, so if I whoop his ass, <laughs> technically. It's on my property. It's on his, is he a trespasser? <laughs> right. Right. And then the white, and I said, you know what? Let me go in the house and go get Teague's, my, uh-huh. my, my Belgian Malinois who speaks another language uh-huh. to give her commands. Dogs speak another language. Ooh, that's fancy. And I, hey, Agent A9 got a little language. Foos, right? That means follow. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, I go take the dog out to poop. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Because they said some shit? Yep. <laughs> exactly. So I take her go out. He goes, well, I said, listen, bro, yeah. all the stuff that you're doing right now, I said, it's uncalled for. Mm-hmm. I ain't got time for this. I'm about to take my dog to use the bathroom. 
And when you finish, put your shit right there, uh-huh. and then I got my shit I'm picking up. <laughs> so go on, take yourself on off my porch because uh, this ain't going to work. Uh-huh. So he leaves, and he goes, well, you know, um, uh, we were able to work some things out, and, and, and I got a lower price. Really? He's like, I said, oh, okay. So here's the, here's the real price. So then he noticed I didn't pick up the folder. So he comes back to hand me the folder. So I'm growing a little bit, not in height, but just in maturity. <laughs> I take the folder and I look at it. How much do you think he changed the price? And we're going to bring in our producer, Meredith. Meredith, get on the mic. How much do you think that $16,000 estimate is now after I have taken Tiga to take a poop? 10000 Ooh, you are incorrect. Less? What is your price? Mm, $75. Close. It's like man, price is right. My man dropped it down to $6,000. You got robbed. Or Bro, you were how, about how, to get robbed. How, how bad is that? You go from 16 to 6. That's that's $10,000. Now, that's when nice I looked market. it up and I put my square footage in there, mm. bro, it's only like $3,500, $4,500. Did you feel taken advantage of? Hell yeah, I took it. I felt how taken often advantage. does that happen? Man, there's the, what do they say, the... Expensive neighborhood price, and then there's the athlete neighborhood. Yeah, price. I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, that's what about, I'm talking about. He was yeah. about to get that whoop ass <laughs> price. That's what he was about to, which is free. Yeah. That's where I'm from. Yeah. It's like, nah. Yeah, you can have that. Go ahead, Mr. Smith. You can have yeah. it. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right? I, now I'm talking about the. All right, I see that oh, it's a lot of time. you, and this is going to be my price. Oh, I, I, I've, I get that all the time. To be honest, and and, and people get offended because I say, you know, I usually get three quotes. Give me the cheapest, give me one in between, and, and give me the best. Yeah. And you know, nine bad, times out of ten, yeah. I'm going to get the middle. Right. That's, right? And that's, that's just me. That's, that's negotiation. <clears throat> yeah. But he said, I don't even understand. I was like, man. And I went and looked it up and looked at my square footage. And, and it just was crazy to me how you can, how can you drop a price almost ten to $11,000? Someone thought they were going to get 10 stacks out of you. That's why. Yeah, he was going to get he was, only 10 stacks he would get now if that was a lawsuit, 10 stacks. He ain't getting no 10 stacks like that. <laughs> Come on, man. Just to cover my gutters? Are they gold? I look, man, I was fuming. I bet you were. I was hot. I know you well enough. I know you were cooking. I Someone was, tried to take advantage of you. Like oh, that. man. And look me in my that's eyes. A, that's, a, that's just a low down, dirty shame. Yeah. He might be a big old dummy. He wasn't ready for it. Dang, Brian. <laughs> we didn't prep that one. <laughs> All right. Who do we have next for the podcast? Coming up to the Cut To It podcast, Paige Demacos. She's the chief operating officer of the Draft Network. She's co-host of the TDN Fantasy Podcast, and she makes a mean Greek chicken. Paige DeMarcos on Cut To It Podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. I checked out what you guys got going on, so I'm excited to be here. If you're cool with it, we're just going to introduce our first segment. It's our icebreaker. It's called Get Iced Up. There are random okay. questions, so you don't know what's going on. Hell, I don't even know what's going on. Smitty's going to give you these random icebreakers, and let's get to it. Ice up. Where is the strangest place you've ever fallen asleep? Probably standing up in the back of a classroom. I can remember this so vividly, too. I was so exhausted, almost like one of those college 48 hours, no sleep. Standing in the back of the classroom, I was hosting our election coverage, and I was standing in the back as a host, and I straight up fell asleep. It was not good. No, you were leaning against the wall at least, correct? 
I was leaning against the wall, but the reason that I woke up is because I almost really hurt myself falling over. So that's that's how I woke up. It was not my most graceful moment, and I definitely was embarrassed because I was hosting the show and definitely should have been way more present in that moment. So it was uh, definitely not my finest moment. What's something you that always makes you laugh? Uh, does it, can it be my, it's gotta be a person. So it's my brother. Uh, if you know anything about my brother, he's legitimately the funniest person that I've ever met. Uh, and he's a big goofy basketball player. And he used to be, he played D1 basketball, but he was so short and stubby his whole life that he got to be the, like the funny guy for a long time. And now he's six, six. So like he, he was the short dorky guy for a long time. And then he like grew up and he grew up like way late at like a junior in high school. He finally got tall, but he was the dorky kind of friend that everybody kind of liked because he was short and, and stubby and, and he's always been funny because of that. So it's definitely my brother. If you were a color, what would you be and why? Uh, cerulean blue. This is very easy for whoa, me. Whoa, cerulean whoa, blue? Whoa. The reason that I said cerulean blue is because I'm Greek. Uh, if you didn't, couldn't tell, my last name is Demakos. My dad's first name is Plato, so I'm Greek-Greek, guys. Like, very Greek. Uh, the top of the domes in Santorini are cerulean blue. So if you've ever seen a photo of the beautiful churches in Santorini, those churches are a very specific color, and it is cerulean blue. So that is the blue I'm talking about. All right, so here in the hood, <laughs> I only got about five to ten in my box of crayons. Which shade of blue is it? That's blue. Oh, right. Sky blue, royal blue, dark blue. Yeah. Maybe the hundred box out. that's in there. Right. But the 20 boxes, the 20 in the box I got. For some reason, I remember periwinkle. Is that right? That's about yeah. it. Yeah. The 64, yep. 64 box that was in there. Um, my, now, I'm, now I'm out. I'm smooth out of blues now. All I got green, yellow, red. <laughs> I don't get cerulean blue. Cerulean, okay. man. You had to. Oh, what, I love it. My wife is uh, her favorite colors teal. Okay. Oh, ain't number blue. Bluish green. You guys are having such a such a dude answer. Yes, like, exactly. It's like a it's like a midway point, like kind of like a green blue, and you're like, dude, just use your eyes. Like describe some things. It's just a dude answer. Like that's that's what you guys are giving me back. So you're gonna razz me. I'm gonna razz you right back. That's cool. I'm just, I'm don't, just don't being feel honest. Bad. Like our, our, one of our producers just held up Sarah the actual colors. Sarah like, goes, this is, this, this is, is the blue, right. Steve. Yes. Yeah. She Googled it, though. Right. She like, didn't know she the knew. damn she color. Didn't know. Right. <laughs> she didn't know. Like, she, Google to the rescue. She's going to put it in her face like yeah. this. Yeah. She's going to wave her screen. Blue. Right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Last one. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's the hardest class you ever took? The hardest class I ever took. It's got to be uh, Stats 203 in college. It was a math class. And since I'm a journalist, I wanted to avoid mathematics and science as much as I possibly could. And it was a bear. The professor was a, a lot of words that I'm not going to use on the podcast. But yeah, let's go with the word unique. Um, he was not a very nice person, and the class was absolutely horrible, and it's the only class I've ever almost failed. So it was not not ideal for me, uh, and I hate math. Almost failed as in a D, because I got a D in statistics. I'm, I'm B, up front. I got, I got a C minus, and that's only because I had to do, like, all the extra credit to get myself to the C minus. Like, I was failing all the tests, man. Like, it was, it was not good. Mine was statistics as well. I took it my oh, senior fine. year. Thank God I was invited to the Shrine game, and I got to drop <laughs> the class. <laughs> you got out of it. Out of it. Out. Uh, I played in the Shrine and then the Hula, yeah. and they were back-to-back, -back, so I missed the first two weeks. Not that it would have changed anything, but uh, that was that's my statistics. That's a story that I'm going with. I took calculus too, and I got an F in that bad boy. Really? I failed that with fine I got a W with the withdrawal. <laughs> a w. w. Got that dub on it. Yeah. Where are you from in a place you call your hometown? I'm from Chicago, Illinois, guys. Uh, I think everyone's aware of, uh, of Chicago, but if you're aware of, if you're a Chicagoan and you're listening to the podcast, you're probably going to ask, where in Chicago. So I lived very close to Greek town, which is ironic since uh, uh, I'm very Greek. And I always joke with my family that we chose that because it was near Greek town. 
but if you've ever been near the UC, near where the Bulls play, used to be uh, a, not, a, not a great area. It was a little bit of a tough neighborhood when I was growing up. It's a lot nicer now, but uh, I lived across from the street from a warehouse, and now they're like beautiful buildings. So that's where I grew up, grew up in Chicago. Uh, greatest city. Love Chicago. Our social media manager and my son uh, went to DePaul. Yep. And right there. So how far is that uh, from DePaul right there in the, in the city? So DePaul's more north. So mm -hmm. DePaul's close to where Lincoln Park area yep. is, which is a little bit nicer area than, than, where, than where we were. So we were kind of like right off, if you know where the Kennedy is, the 90, the highway, you're right there, loop a little bit further south, right between basically where the loop and, and uh, the United Center is. So we lived on Monroe Street. What was your experiences like growing up there? I love growing up in the city. I think as a kid, it's really it's really cool to be able to be in a city as diverse as Chicago, right? So you had every different kind of person and food. And f I, I just loved being totally immersed in that. Uh, my family, as I said, is Greek. So uh, first generation here. So we spent a lot of time uh, at the Greek church downtown, which was awesome for me. Liked, liked being able to grow up there. Chicago's hoop scene is amazing. So being able to be around that my whole life was always really cool. Um, and just being a city kid, right? Like being able to like take the train and, and go down to the beach and do things like we used to, we had season tickets to Soldier Field. So we would walk, you know, the, a very long walk, uh, a couple miles every Sunday with my dad, which is good memories, but just growing up, being able to spend time in the city, uh, I guess, differentiates you from what I would, the suburb kids that we always kind of joke with when they say they're from Chicago, but they're actually from like Naperville, which isn't Chicago. Those are my experiences. I love growing up in the city. Um, and I miss, I do miss Chicago a lot, especially just like the area that I grew up in. What were your early experiences around sports? What are, what are some of your uh, earliest and fondest memories? Growing up in Chicago in the nineties, uh, the, <laughs> no one better than growing up around Michael Jordan, right? So we grew up not too far from his palace, got to go watch some of his games as a, as a really little kid. And uh, just those memories, like that's, that's what I felt. That's where I fell in love with sports. Like I fell in love with sports because of Michael Jordan, because I grew up in that city and in the nineties, it was all MJ all the time. That's all you talked about. That's all you cared about. Every Christmas card we ever took, I have the receipts, is us in bold jerseys, like from the time I was born until I was 15. Like, that's what we did as a family. We named our dog Paxson after John Paxson. <laughs> like, we're wow. like, I mean, like all in on the Bulls as a family. So we definitely were all wrapped up in that. And that's what made me fall in love with sports, watching MJ, watching his craft and talking smack, learning what that meant, right? I, I made a sign when I was a kid that said the mailman don't deliver on Sunday. So that was what? my first smack talk. Were that you, was my first smack talk to Carl Malone. Did you take that to the game? Or you just like- Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There is an epic photo of me as a kid with the sign. And I'm like seven, right? Seven or eight. And I have the sign just straight up and it says the mailman don't deliver on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, I was- I was shit talking at that age. Okay. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. When you saw the the last dance, the documentary, what did it what did it stir up in you from those memories of, of growing up but then seeing it replayed? Oh yeah, so much nostalgia watching uh watching that. And also really cool because being able to now watch it, you know, I don't I don't remember any of the early years because I either wasn't alive, obviously when he was first drafted, and then I was really young. I really only remember ninety-seven and ninety-eight. So I remember the you mm. know, the last part of it. So the being able to watch it knowing the lens and how important and how cool it was as a kid and then watching it now was so unbelievable all the all the cool gear all the warm-ups everything I was like I want every bull's warm-up I want every bull's hat I want it like the whole time I'm like this is unbelievable the music the and then thinking about it now as being in sports media and thinking about how insane it would be coverage wise right how much coverage Michael got then but how much more coverage he would get now with social, social. media age. Yeah. Yes, it would be insane, right? And and that that was cool to think about it that way because I think everybody everybody got a little taste of it with the Warriors. Everyone was like, how many how many championships are they gonna win? How many? And they didn't sniff what the Bulls did, right? And 
everybody started to hate that team. And so I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I would be so obnoxious if the Bulls were this team now. <laughs> like, I would be, I would be so stupid on social media, and it's probably a good thing because it would be, uh, I'd be dunking on people left and right if Michael Jordan was playing now with social think media. Think about, but then think about how polarizing it would be too. Like you, you mentioned, you didn't necessarily see MJ in the early years, but remember MJ didn't always deliver, right? It took a while and up until yep. the 90s, but like 80s MJ. It wasn't his fault he didn't it, but I'm, he what I, what, playing with some scrubs. I'm with you. Now, you you 100% right, but also think about how many times he didn't deliver and what we where we criticize LeBron right oh, now yeah, or what's, sure. his, what's his record. What was MJ's record before he got to those six finals? He went undefeated, but there was a long time before he got past the Pistons to where how, how polarizing would it be then on social media, to your point? Oh, yeah, it would be nuts right now, right? There's no – first and foremost, there is absolutely no chance that we could pull off that version of the NBA now, right? No chance. There's just – there's no way that the superstars with social media could get treated like they did back then because of – I mean, Michael had a whole defense that was set up against him, right? I mean, just watching those, those old – those old highlights and you're watching how they, how it was covered and all the fouls that are non-calls. I mean, it's like playing pickup ball in the city in Chicago. You're like, yeah, there's no fouls. You're going to, you're going to break your teeth. You're going to break your nose, but you're not going to call a foul. Like that's just how it was. Right. So Detroit and, and Chicago for a long time, that was such a, an unbelievable back and forth that I didn't, I used to, I mean, you know, I watched the tapes with my dad, but I didn't, I didn't ever watch it obviously live. And so watching it now was unbelievable to see, but also, as you said, like thinking about it going, God, this would be so obnoxious on social seeing the, Oh, Michael can't do this. And Michael can't do that in the same way that it's been obnoxious with whether it's LeBron or now it's going to be Giannis and they're going to talk about what it's going to take and James Harden and all these guys. I mean, the storylines are always borderline obnoxious, but uh, it, it definitely, we, it definitely would be really different right now if, if Michael was playing. We have to take a break. And more than anything, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You got checked. I love Cut To It. And I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where, where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook. Cut to it featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at cuttoitpodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cuttoitpodcast.com. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass... Every shot and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises? Or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. 
thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Were there any particular sports that you fell in love with and also, you know, fell in love with that you went out and participated in those sports rather than just being an observer? Yeah, so I played basketball my whole life, and I grew up in a neighborhood with all boys. So we had like a little courtyard. I had a brother, obviously my brother who I mentioned, um, and then I grew up in a neighborhood of all boys. So we had this courtyard, and in the courtyard, it was kind of like the the area that was our parents were like cool with us going in there because it was safe and it was gated off from the regular street from Monroe Street. So we would go there. And we played every sport. Like I was all time QB. Like I'm still all time QB with my family. Like mm. I, I could throw every route. Like I was jokingly over the weekend. I was like, my, they're like, what's your favorite route to throw? And I was like, a wheel route. And they were like, oh, that's awesome. And fr- freaking out about that on social media. But um, I played every sport growing up because I really you know, wanted or, to play with the boys. Yeah, you could be quarterback. What, what would just, you What would you throw to Steve Smith? What, what, I ain't running a wheel route. I'm gonna tell you right uh, right now. You know okay, why? What's your, why? Why? Why are you not running a wheel? It's such a lazy and sloppy route. <laughs> oh my God! Here we go. Only if the wide receiver runs it lazy. Come on now. Like, what's Generally, your favorite route to run? Okay, well I break it down. Generally, wide receivers don't run Use wheel routes. Yeah, like, that's for sure. Generally. Bad running, running tight ends or <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say slow tight ends. Yeah, see that that's why. So I, I'm I'm saying it more in the regards of if your go to route is a wide receiver, is a wheel route. You ain't right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, keep in mind, for? I'm throwing the ball to a really really slow dad, right? So that's why it's fun for me because I'm like, my dad is the slow tight end. Like that's the dude that I'm throwing the ball to. So the wheel it, route out of my back. <laughs> Exactly right. Who's covering slow dad? Uh, slow uncle. So oh, slow dad's getting slow by getting covered by slow uncle. So that's why this works, guys. Like, and, and I push dad into the into yeah. the sidelines. Good night to that one. Uh, and I can tell she get excited too, because you sound like you will overthrow somebody, but it's not your fault. A true no. quarterback. <laughs> Oh, you better believe I'm, 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 I'm looking, I'm Tom Brady. I'm looking at you and I'm going, i got my hands out. I'm yelling at you. I'm going, that was a catchable ball. You just slow. He running a six, (laughs) four. He's definitely, yeah, that might be, that might be kind. I don't even know if he's hitting that. So it's, that's why he can run the wheel rod. He's not, I'm not throwing him a fade. He's not getting there fast. Like it's, he's, he's slow. Dad can't run the slant. No, dad is definitely not running a slant. There is no chance that's happening. Why not? He can't big body it? Uh, you guys, I think you're overestimating how athletic. My brother? Yes, right? I can do that's, that's where I get the whole, wheel, the whole wheel, every route's in the tree for my brother because he's 6'6 and super athletic. But not for, not for, especially not for my uncle. He's short and slow. My dad's at least semi-tall and not that slow. He's just average, right? He's average. You go from Chicago to Nebraska. That had to be a culture shock to some degree. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a huge culture shock. Uh, almost as so much of a culture shock that I transferred. So uh, when I was a freshman, my first weekend at school, I was way overwhelmed. I was like, this is so different. Everybody's for the most part. Now Lincoln and Omaha has a lot of, is really cool, but like a lot of people were from small town. That started to freak me out a little bit. It was totally different. I was like, all right, I'm a city kid. I dress different than everybody here. I'm walking around in Jordans. These girls were making fun of me for wearing Jordans. I was like, this isn't cool. I don't like this. (laughs) Like this is not, these might not be my people, but I ended up loving it. I had my best friends in my whole life. Uh, and I had an unbelievable college experience. But my, my first quarter of the year, of my freshman year, almost, almost took me out of there. But I ended up kind of my, – my dad was like, you got to stick with it. You got a scholarship. Like, you got to stay there. Do your thing. You'll be fine. And, and he was right, you know, and, and change is different. And I was away from my family for the first time ever. So – I got used to it, but uh, it was definitely a culture shock. Nebraska is not Chicago. So you're at the University of Nebraska. You're 19 years old. You start your first company, seeing an opportunity to cover sports using Twitter. Why decide to, to do that at, at that young age? What, what was in you to want to wanna build that up? 
Yeah, it was, it was very much, I'm sitting in a, you know, kind of intro class. It's a journalism 101 and I'm sitting in a class and Joe Starita is the, one of my favorite professors. He's sitting up at the front of the class and he asked the class, he goes, who is currently on Twitter? And I raised my hand and I'm the only one you guys are talking. There's at least 200 kids, probably more in this class. Nobody raises their hand. And at the time I was like, I didn't care about Facebook. And that was like, this is 2009. Like everybody was on Facebook. It was, that was the thing you got, you wanted to do. And I was like, no, 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 I I'm on Twitter. And like, I think it's a huge opportunity to cover sports. And about half the class kind of started laughing at me. And I was like, all right, all right, cool. Like I'm, I'm that person. I like being the underdog. I like being told that I can't do something. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the first thing was like, Oh, you guys think this is a joke? I'll show you. Right. Like you'll see. And so I, I started meeting up with, um, I had a sorority sister who her boyfriend was a really, really good, um, was really into web development. So we just started meeting and we would have, we would have coffee meetings at this place Super. called the mill. And, um, that's, we just started talking about starting corn fed sports and that's why we started it because there wasn't really any coverage, um, that we liked covering Nebraska sports and Nebraska football. So we were like, why don't we just start our own thing? And I'm sure this doesn't surprise you guys, but like, obviously I wanted to cover football, but I also wanted to cover all the other sports. Like Nebraska has a phenomenal volleyball team. Like the nineties, Nebraska football is the current Nebraska volleyball team, like badass, really, really good. So I wanted to cover them. I wanted to cover our basketball team. I wanted to, like, I wanted to cover every sport. Like I literally love all sports. Enough people kept telling me that I either couldn't do it or I shouldn't do it or it was stupid. And then as that started to happen, it, it just sparked in me, like, if this is making people feel uncomfortable, especially older people, like it was mostly older professors and older journalists that were like, that's not a thing. Newspapers, like you should go write for the newspaper. And I was like, nobody reads the newspaper that's 18 or 19 years old. Like there's an entire generation that's going to make this obsolete. Like, trust me, it's social. And it just, they, you know, I think they were afraid of the change. And so I just wanted to kind of embrace it and take the risk because I could, I was in college and I could take the risk and I did. And it, and it definitely paid off, but it was, it was people telling me that it wasn't a good idea over and over and over again. That inspired me to think if I'm making people uncomfortable, it's probably for a reason. And I should lean into this and pay attention to this. And that's, that's why I did it. It's already hard to break into sports in general as oh, yeah. in general then you add on top whether you're a minority and whether you're you're a woman not only are you breaking into sports media but you're also on an entrepreneurial journey what are what's been some of the challenges you've had to face with with going down both of those paths yeah being a woman in sports is tough guys like that it takes a certain level of toughness to just be able to do it in general like constantly and it took toughness in 2008 and 2009 as a freshman in college. And it takes toughness now as an executive in sports media in 2020. Like it's, there's a lot of the same BS going on now that there was going on then. Uh, I'm just in a different position now and I've worked my way into a position where I can call the shots as far as who I'm hiring and who I'm bringing in and who's a part of the conversations. And I think that's, that's how it changes. Like that's how it changes is you get more diversity, from minorities and from women in jobs where they can hire people and they can be focused on that and making sure that there are people that are like me that have a say in the rooms that matter because that's what that's what sucked then and it sucks even now but it's it's better now for me because of the because of what I've been able to achieve but you know having people call the shots for you and not believe in you and even after you you do I could have one mistake right? I could make one mistake. And it was so, so like prolific, the mistake to them where I could watch my colleague make 10 mistakes. And it was like, well, he played. So like, it doesn't matter. Right. Like he knows the game. Like, and it was like, no, he doesn't like, he doesn't study like me. He doesn't talk to the coaches like me. He doesn't talk to the players like me. Like I out hustle him nonstop. And I can remember that being so frustrating and just almost not pursuing sports because of that. But then just deciding one day, I just had this total breakdown and I talked to my dad and my dad was like, listen, like you love sports. Like this is your passion. You're not going to give up because 
some jerk called you sweet cheeks in a locker room, like you're going to get over it. Like you're going to get over it. You're going to get tough. And you're going to realize like next time he said something like that to you, you better have something to say back. Mm. And I was like, all right, dad. And that's, that's pretty much like what I did from then on. Like I was like, okay, dudes are going to say stuff to me and I'm just going to say something back. And guess what? Every time it happens, they're like totally check themselves. They're like, whoa. Cause they're not used to getting it back. They're used to just saying it, saying it, saying it, and nobody checks them. So when you check them, then it's like, Oh, okay. I won't mess with you for the most part. Uh, there's a couple, you know, extreme cases, but that's, that's what it's like to be a woman in sports. Like it's, and it's like, as I said, there's still a lot of challenges now that I face, but I'm in a different position. And that's why as an executive, I've, I've been very conscientious of who I'm hiring who I'm bringing in, what the culture is like within the company to make sure that we have diverse voices and that that can change the game uh, if more people have that attitude. How do you not fall into the narrative of now being in charge of, well, I'm only going to hire women mm-hmm. or I'm only going to hire people who did not play, mm-hmm. right? Where you don't all of a sudden spin it so far, like on the spin sexes, it so yeah. far. Or to where now you're instead of part of the solution, now you've just created a different narrative that you're part of the problem too. Listen, it's a really important question, guys, because it's I feel like this is where you can start to have that understanding of okay, this is how you how you do things. And I'm not by any means the person that's ever not gonna make mistakes, but what I can say is I'm always gonna hire the best person for the job the difference between what you guys are alluding to, and I get it all the time. Like you're going to look for women. You're going to look for minorities. You're going to look the, I, every, and I mean this in the nicest way I can possibly say it. Every Tom, Dick and Harry white guy applies for a job that they do not deserve. They are not entitled to, they don't have the qualifications for, but they show up. They're 19 years old. They're not in journalism school and they hit me up and they think they deserve a full-time writing job. Straight up. It happens all the time. You know who I don't hear from? Women and minorities. But neither one. I have had to seek out every minority that I have hired, and I've had to seek out every female that I have hired. And why, and, why, why do you think that? Because I know for me, I'm I'm, I'm not Tom, Dick, and Harris. So <laughs> it, That's I'm, exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm a black male that worked in sports for, for quite some time. And from, from my own personal experience, you have to be not even better than average, mm-hmm. not even better. Way better, way yeah, better. Exceptional. And that's just to get a foot in the door, right? So to yep. your point, every time Dick and Harry applies, but it is hard to stand out. So do because you think- you know why? A lot of the Toms and the Harrys get the job. That's true. Mm-hmm. But then also, how do, you, how do you make the opportunities of not even just available, but just highlighted in awareness to other, to other people? you can make the opportunities available. You have to be conscientious of, of making this a part of what you're doing as you're hiring it. Cause mm-hmm. I mean this, it's like, it is, if you sat in a room, I would venture to say that the, the white guys in the room are more often than not going to think they deserve the opportunity. Whereas the girls are going to talk themselves out of it. They're going to give you 10 reasons why they don't deserve it. Yep. And the black guys don't, are going to talk themselves out of it as well, or they're just not going to speak up because it's, it's a conditional thing. Like we've been conditioned to think that we don't deserve these things because we haven't seen it. Whereas if you're a white guy in this country, you've seen you can think you've seen it you've walked it and that's the that is the time that is you're talking about a lot of learned behavior a lot of watching and seeing and and not thinking that you deserve it and and that that only changes when people that have the ability to hire people are conscientious of that and say okay if i have a job opening right at the end of the day you guys talked about it earlier Sports is so competitive that if I don't have a reference that I know about you, you're not going to get the job because I know enough people in sports that I can call and say, Hey, tell me about this person. Right? So that's the first part is the networking part and how that plays a part in this and, and reaching out to people and saying, Hey, I want to hire somebody and I'm looking for, you know, this, these are the qualifications. Do you have anybody that you can send my way? Right? Do you know anybody? Have you heard from anybody? Because that's what, that's what's happening. Like, that's what you have to do because 
the guys who send me their resumes all the time, I mean it. I, if I went through and, and I probably have 400 resumes saved in my email, I would venture to say 395, if not all 400, are all white guys. And, and most of them are not qualified. And they all ask for jobs. And it's because they've been conditioned to think that they, they can have it. And, and I don't, there's, there's only so much one individual can do, right? Like, what can I do for my company? I can make, I can make sure that I am present in how I am hiring, who I am hiring and making sure I'm doing my due diligence to reach out and try and find people versus just sitting back and saying, well, the best people will find me. Um, that's just, I think my attitude, I can't speak to what anybody else is doing, but that's, that's how I've approached it. Let's talk ball. Right. So you've done, you're doing draft network. You've done fantasy. You, you do a little bit of fantasy football, correct? Yep. As a former athlete, I hate fantasy football. Why you hate fantasy? Man, I hate fantasy football because fantasy football has financially has been great, but now for, you for, have, who? for everybody involved in fantasy and football, mm -hmm. right? Fantasy, love it. <laughs> football, love it. You yeah. combine a fantasy football and it brings in more revenue dollars. Yep. But now you have the fan who may not necessarily watch the games, but now they're only watching because Some it impacts their fantasy yeah. football. But sometimes you have people, they can look at a guy. Let's just say hypothetically the guy has 10,000 yards. Mm -hmm. A billion, I'm exaggerating, a billion touchdowns. But if he doesn't perform that week on fantasy. You trash. You trash. Oh, yeah. I, I, let's, let's go. I've, let's never, I've never, I have never met a guy who's played in the league that likes fantasy football. I don't. Because I, and I totally understand why you would feel that way. Because if I'm Steve, or if I'm, I've seen it in an interview in a post game, right? Where you've got Travis Kelsey getting interviewed post game and he's, he didn't have a big game and somebody's yelling at him from the stands like, dude, you're trash. You're terrible today. Or you're tweeting at somebody and you're telling them that you, you know, you lost me my fantasy matchup. Like I can imagine that as a competitor, especially if you win the football game, like if you go out there and you win the game and then people are tweeting at you about how you didn't win fantasy, you've got to be like, uh, who the hell cares? Right. Like I tell, I tell people that all the time that play fantasy, like you have what you want to happen in your head. And then here's what reality is because the head coach doesn't care about giving Clyde Edwards Hilaire this many touches. Cause that's, what's good for your fantasy team. Like he's going to do what's best for the matchup to play that in the game. And that's what he's going to do. So you might want this to happen, but it ain't going to happen. Cause that's not the game plan. And if you don't, that's why, that's why I could see why you hate it. So I understand why you hate it. It's not like I woke up today and said, I'm about to screw over Daniel's hey, fantasy football team. Gerard started me on this fantasy team. I got to show out. <sighs> screw him. Like, <laughs> that's not what you're doing. Right. You don't get to call your own play. But you it don't marginalizes get to you to just this. Yes. To yeah. the point of where when you hear that, you're like, really? Yeah. And then now, and then I play fantasy mm -hmm. a little bit when I was done. You don't know the game plan. Right. You really don't. You don't understand or the matchups. And I'm just like, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. Right? So I, I, I literally hate fantasy football. If everybody could just chill and be nice, then we'd be fine. Right? Because then you wouldn't have fans screaming at you or tweeting at you like, yo, bro, you suck. You're garbage because you didn't have three catches for him. And you're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like if people just didn't – people doing that to athletes in general has always – made me upset like whether it's fantasy related or it's like you have a bad game and the team loses and people feel this sense of ownership where they can come over and tell you like like you guys are saying like you don't walk up to somebody you don't go outside to the garbage man and you yell at the garbage man because there's one piece of garbage that fell out and you're like you suck at your job like nobody does that like people just do that in sport i think it's about that time just uh take a little breather good do it good do it let's get down to it Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass... 
Every shot and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. All right, Paige, our last segment that we have is called the Deep Three. So it's just basically our way of taking a deeper dive into a next level. Just get to know the guests that we have on. So Smitty's got the first question, and we're just going to be able to take you on this Deep Three. How do you want to impact the world right now and also in five years? I want to impact the world. I talked about it a little earlier, but I want to be a leader of a sports media company that helps change what what it looks like in sports. Mm. Um, and that means getting more women and minorities and making sure there are more opportunities at the ground floor to make sure that we are allowing those people to elevate properly. Because unless we change it at the beginning, we're going to have some of the situations like we talked about where you're going to make a hire just to make a hire and they're not going to be qualified. Our responsibility is to foster people and have internships and create opportunities so we can get more diversity so that when I go to on a trip to the combine, it's not 98% white guys. It's a more honest reflection of what our country looks like. And I think that's, I know that that's super ambitious, but I'm an ambitious person. So that's, that's what I want now. And it's what I want in, in five years, because I would hope that in five years, I'm going to be in an even better, more prominent, more powerful position to do more of it. And quite honestly, expect more of it from other people that are also in my position. And I think that will, that will be something that will be exceptionally powerful. Like it. So then what does success mean to you? Success is every single day. To me, there is, there is something to be said about competing with yourself. And I have always done this. And to me, it's a, a success every day a competition every day, a challenge every day, because if you start setting benchmarks of this is success for me, then what's after that, right? So to me, it's, it's every day. And there's no, there's no end game here. That's not, there's no end game. It's, it is constantly getting better at every aspect of what I do, whether that's in my work life, in my personal life, Quite frankly, one of the things I love competing and having success in most is, is as an athlete and, and working out every day and setting little micro challenges that make me feel successful every day. Like that is success to me. It's every day. It's showing up. It's, it's making those competitions that force you to, to always be the right amount of uncomfortable. So you're constantly getting better. Page today, 2020, COVID-19 is here. Everything's going on. You can go backwards and write a letter to young Paige. What would you tell her to be on the lookout for? Ooh, uh, for this year specifically, I would tell 
myself eight months ago, I would tell myself to relax because it's, <laughs> I, man, it, it's been a journey. Uh, this, this last, since I left the combine, uh, life changed a whole lot. The second that I got back from being in a bubble for 10 days in Indianapolis. And if I could talk to myself, just getting back to the combine, I would tell myself, just relax. Like everything's going to be okay. Just relax. Um, but if I could talk to my younger self, um, I would definitely go back to, you know, a much younger, ambitious eighth grader who at that time was like, I want to work in sports and was getting bullied by a lot of people at school and would tell that person that those people were going to ask you for fantasy football advice and tickets and, and being at, and having access to your friends who play in the league and that they don't matter. And so I would tell that eighth grader to, to not care about other people so much and just know that eventually those people are going to be asking you for stuff and it's never not going to feel good. And, and that's what I would tell younger Paige. Boy, appreciate it, Paige. Uh, thank you. Yep. Thank you, guys. The thing I liked about Paige was ambition. Right? I, was, I, was, I wrote down grittiness. Yeah. She's gritty. She's gritty. Yeah. Right? So I, I thought that was cool. I, I did think some of the things that she said is from a perspective of what she went through. And sometimes people go, I don't think that's – that's accurate. It is, an ac- it is not accurate from your perspective, but from the individual who has experienced it. Think about how much she had to scrap. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, you're like I like I said during the, the the interview, when you're a woman or you're a minority trying to break into the sports field, this 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 role behind the scenes, it's it's very tough. When you add on, you know, being a woman or minority, it's it's so much tougher. You you've got to go beyond the mile marker and then some. So yeah. to your point, from her perspective, you have to have endurance. You talk about minorities or or or, or women. Sometimes playing a sport and then trying to work in a sport, mm-hmm. whether it's be a coach. Sometimes people don't want you involved because they believe as a player, oh, you weren't this or you weren't that. So sometimes playing a sport can be just as bad for you of sometimes, you know, as we say, being a new person, Mm -hmm. right? With a new person without a history, you have a – you're more susceptible to at least get a tryout or get a a shot Mm -hmm. or shoot your shot versus someone who has been through it or who's played sometimes like, nah. So I, 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 I found it. I get that. One of the things I walked away with is no was never an acceptable answer That's to Paige. She did true. not accept no. If you told her no. She's going to make a way to prove you wrong. You, it was fist fighting phone booth. <laughs> right? So I, I really love that. So uh, Paige, thank you. Appreciate um, you, Paige. You know, thank you for listening to another well, hey, I, I guess this isn't, we don't have too many, it's, you know, we got a few, but thanks for listening to another episode of Cup Tour. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And, and you Gerard, are. A.K.A. G. And we out. <laughs> Cut to it with Steve Smith Sr. That is me, is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, Visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media manager Peyton Smith from Balto Creative Media. Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Labreck. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.